Welcome to Target Cancer, a podcast about how health technology is affecting lives and changing the world for patients and oncologists. Hi, Jelena. How are Hi. you? How hey, are hey. You? good. How are you doing? I'm Sorry, well. we've got a, I've got all this technical stuff going on in the background. These guys here are hooking up the computers and stuff, as I like to think about it. But um, anyway, we're here. Um, and uh, so, hi, my name is Mika Newton. I am the CEO of a company called Xcures. Um, we work directly with cancer patients and their doctors to help them kind of organize their data and make treatment options and decisions. Um, but the purpose of this podcast, and thank you so much for coming on, is really to learn about cancer patients, to learn about kind of their journey, what they went through, hear from them about things that did or didn't work for them, maybe talk a little bit about like technology, which is a broad thing, everything from like, you know, the internet to things that happen to you in the doctor's office, et cetera. So um, why don't we start there? T tell me about you and, and your story and your experience. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, sure. So my name is Jelena. Um, I was diagnosed with stage three colorectal cancer, uh, more specifically wow. rectal cancer, uh, at age 34 um, in 2016. So it's been a few years. I actually just hit my five years cancer free point. Yay! So yay. yay! My oncologist broke up with me and said, I only need to come in if something right. looks bad. So everything has looked good since then. Um, but That's a good breakup, by the way. That's an excellent break. Yeah, yeah. The best breakup that you could yeah. possibly ever have. Right. right. <laughs> so I had symptoms for almost a year leading up to my diagnosis. Um, June 2015 was when I first started experiencing a change in my gas. It was a lot smellier, a lot more potent. Like we all wow. kind of know what our gas normally smells like. It was different. Right. And so I tried like taking a probiotic to see if that helped mm -hmm. it. It did not, and I started experiencing rectal bleeding. Um, and so I thought, oh, that's not good. So I stopped the probiotic, okay. and the bleeding right. stopped. So I thought, okay, it was just the probiotic. I'm going to have smelly farts forever. <laughs> and so then I let it kind of cycle out of my system, tried taking the probiotics again, like in October. Same thing happened, the bleeding and all that. I stopped them, and it stopped. So when I went in in February of 2016 for my annual physical, um, I mentioned the bleeding and the gas to the nurse practitioner that I was seeing, but since the bleeding wasn't happening at that time, she said, well, you know, if it starts up again, give us a call, but it's probably just your diet that's causing the change in your gas. But my diet hadn't really changed at all. Mm. So it's like, okay, I guess, you know, maybe I'm getting older and, you know, my body's reacting to stuff different. Right. Who knows? So then in May, the bleeding returned and I wasn't taking the probiotics and um, I started having looser stools and was passing like bloody mucus with my stools. So I called the office and was like, Hey, it's back. I'm not taking those probiotics. So they put me on a gluten-free diet, mm -hmm. sent me down to the lab to get vials and vials of blood drawn to see if I was allergic to any foods that could be causing these symptoms. Well, Test came back negative, not allergic to anything. Gluten-free diet didn't change my symptoms. So they sent me in for a colonoscopy to see, um, get a better look inside and see what was going on. So they, it only took about a week and a half for me to get in for that colonoscopy. They were expecting to find out that maybe I had like Crohn's or irritable bowel syndrome, something like that. And when I woke up, I found out that they found a tumor 
um, oh my gosh. enough. They couldn't take it out during the colonoscopy. Um, and they took a biopsy of it. And the doctor said she was like 99% sure it was cancer. So that was a shock. And two days that must later. must have been so scary. Like, how, how did you, so did that happen like right away afterwards when you were in your, or was there like a time period uh, where you, things were kind of coming together? Uh, when I woke up from the colonoscopy, she said okay. that she had found that and oh, wow. she put a rush on the biopsy. So two days later, I found out the results that it was cancer. And within two and a half weeks from finding out it was cancer, it was just a whirlwind of tests, tests, doctor's appointments. And I started radiation and chemo two and a half weeks later. Wow. So it was chaotic. So I have a question for you. Going through all of that. So one of the things that I always tell people is um, like nobody really wants to understand cancer unless you like work in some cancer related field or you have cancer. Like most of us don't like study cancer or other, otherwise. So I'm assuming, uh, did, did you know anything about cancer really beforehand? Is it something you'd spent a bunch of time exploring? No, I did not. And we didn't have a family history of cancer. So I didn't have anybody that was close to me that had experienced it. So I didn't know a whole lot about it. I didn't even know that you could get cancer in your rectum. Like I had heard of colon cancer, but didn't know that uh -huh. rectal cancer was a thing. So that was like a double shock. So how did you deal with that emotionally? Because that's like not knowing about something is almost like worse sometimes than knowing about it, right? So how did you go through that emotional, like what did your family support? Like how, how did you handle both the knowledge and then the emotional context of, of trying to understand the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my husband was there with me. Like when we got the diagnosis, uh, we had a five-year-old daughter at the time. And so the emotions running through me when I first got that diagnosis, I, of course I was worried for me, but my primary worry was about my daughter. Like we had waited seven years after we'd gotten married before we started even trying to have her. And then like, we wow. kind of like committed, okay, we're going to do this now. And so I felt like we waited so long to have her. And now like, I'm going to leave her five years later was my first thought. Um, and I found this out like the day that she finished preschool. So that was, you know, a very emotional day and getting through it. Like I, was torn as to how much research I wanted to do because I didn't want to be scared by the statistics and other information that I would find out there. And especially initially when we had no idea how far it had spread, we assumed it wasn't stage one because if it was, they probably would have just taken the mass out when the colonoscopy right. was done. So we knew it wasn't great, but we didn't know how bad that it was. So just trying to keep myself from going down that what if path, tried to do that as much as possible and then wait to do too much research until we really got like the pinpointed diagnosis as to what exactly it was that we were dealing with before going down too many rabbit holes. And I did a little bit of research, but I let my husband do a lot of got the it. initial research to find out you know, the statistics on how, what my chances were of making it through this, what the treatments were going to look like and all of that, because I, 
I already had enough in my head and I didn't want to get overwhelmed mm. by all of that information. Did, did you end up talking to your young daughter about what was happening? How did you handle it? I, I have kids. So I always think about like, how would you have the discussion, especially with someone so young? Like how? Yes, we did. And um, we, ever since she was born, like we've tried to treat her not like an adult, but we didn't try to like baby her. We didn't do the baby talk stuff. We tried to, you know, include her in the adult things. We had a lot of friends that, you know, were substitute uncles for her that she hung out with. Right. So since she was an only child, she was kind of an old soul from the beginning. So we waited until I knew that I was stage three and what my treatment was going to look like before we told her. Um, we didn't take her to any of the doctor's appointments because a five-year-old at those appointments, she's not going to sit through those anyway. So right. she was excited kind of at the beginning because she got to hang out with friends a lot. She was going over for all these play dates and mom and dad were just going to these appointments. Um, and as I'd mentioned earlier, like we didn't have anybody in our family that had been diagnosed with cancer. So to her, cancer was like the flu. Versus mm -hmm. for us, when we hear someone's got cancer, we immediately think yeah. it's a death sentence. So that was kind of helpful. So we told her about it, that I was going to be sick, um, that my parents were going to come and help out for a while. Uh, my husband's parents were going to come help out quite a bit. So she was excited that Grandma right. and Grandma, Grammy and Poppy were going to be coming to visit. Um, but she didn't quite understand it fully at the beginning because then the next day after we had told her she asked if the cancer was still in me or if it was gone right it's like it's still there it's going to be in there until it's cut out of me right so now five years later you made some choices right about treatment decisions tell me a little bit about when it came kind of down to having to make the choice right of what were you going to do um, were there a number of different options to pursue? Did you have to make some decisions that you and your oncologists or your, your cancer care team, did you guys discuss kind of different pathways you could go down? Um, and, uh, and, you know, five years later, like you make, made the right call in there somewhere. So like, how, how did, what do you think helped you in that moment? Like where you, you had to kind of make this, this really important, basically a life or death decision of like which path you're going to pursue. How did, how did you do that? Right. So my husband had been doing some research behind the scenes on stuff. And um, he kind of, since I was stage three, my oncologist and then the radiation oncologist that I met with, they said there's basically this, it's basically cut and dry, the standard of care that you would go through, you'll do mm -hmm. the 28 days of oral chemotherapy and radiation, you'll rest for a little bit, you'll have your lower anterior resection where we'll cut out the tumor, take out the lymph nodes, you'll have an ileostomy, then you'll do most likely some full fox after that IV chemo, you'll get your ileostomy reversed once that's done, and that'll be it. So that was what we had found on the internet was like the standard of care. So mm -hmm. the only thing that maybe we had a decision about with the surgeon was how long we were going to wait after I had the oral chemo and radiation until surgery happened. Because at that time, there were kind of mixed uh, opinions on how long that you should wait after finishing mm -hmm. one treatment and doing surgery. So he was actually on board with the newer science that said, wait a little bit longer to give that radiation and chemo as much time as possible to shrink the tumor because my tumor was 
low enough that it was kind of right on the border. It was questionable whether I would either get an ileostomy at that surgery or would end up with a permanent colostomy. So they wanted to give the tumor as much time as possible to shrink, to hopefully shrink away from the anal verge. So then they could spare that and I would just end up with the temporary ostomy. So that was kind of the only decision really that we had, but we found out that what they were proposing was basically what we were finding on the internet was the standard of care and what everyone else with stage three rectal cancer had. That's excellent. So I guess then just one last question for you, which is if you had advice for anyone out there, having gone through this experience now and which makes you in this special class of people actually understand the whole process, right? You've been through it. Any like, like one thing you should know, one thing that's the most important thing that's like the main thing that's helped you over the last five years um, as you've been through this process? What's the most important thing? I think one of the most important things is finding some connections out either in real life or on the internet because there's Mm -hmm. plenty of information out there. But when you receive that diagnosis, like it is immediately isolating and kind of puts you in this special group um, in this bubble. And for me, it was really helpful to reach out and talk to others, especially other young women that were mm-hmm. around my age that had been diagnosed with yeah. the same did thing. Did your friends start treating you differently? Did your friends and family treat you differently after this when you shared, if and when you shared things with them? Um, maybe a little bit, like I was more fragile than I was, um, but they just didn't understand or I couldn't confide yeah. in them, like some of the things or I didn't want to burden them with like the pain or other miserable side effects that I was going through. But it was nice that to have friends that were also kind of going through that. And like when you're nearing radiation, like, Hey, what are you using to help these burns? Like I, the doctor like told me this one thing, but it's, it's not doing that much for me. Like, are you doing anything? You have any special secrets? So not for necessarily medical advice, but those smaller things or, when you're really nauseous on chemo, like what food is something that you can actually stomach kind of thing. You don't want to bother the oncologist with that, like on a Tuesday, sending them a message, like what can I eat? But your friends are there and they're experiencing it and they Mm -hmm. can give you that good advice. Well, Jelena, thank you so much. So it sounds like um, number one, make the right decisions, right? Have your support group, find friends. And um, I'm so happy you're here in five years. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Very nice to meet you. Have a wonderful uh, afternoon, morning. Yeah. Great to meet you too. Thank you. Thanks.